I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you being empowered with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. Our website's clark.com and clarkdeals.com. The Clark Deals crew has been working literally around the clock for a much longer period than historically the Clark Deals team would work with most of the effort prior years being Black Friday week through Cyber Monday. But this year, not like prior years, the sales spread out the entire month of November, bleeding into all the way into this Friday as Cyber Monday for most retailers has become Cyber Week. And it can be overwhelming. It's obviously overwhelming for our deals team. It can be overwhelming for you as a consumer with every uh, email message you get or text you might get from a retailer you've done business with in the past or do currently screaming how great their deals are. So it really requires action, not reaction on your part to plan out, number one, that you don't overspend, and number two, that you are getting real deals, not non-deal deals. And so I know that if you are among the more than one-third of people, somewhere roughly a little more than a third, who look at shopping during the month of December for Christmas as more chore than joy, this is even harder for you to think through this way. But I'm more concerned about people who get really excited by deal, 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 and spend money that is really more than your wallet is designed for. And so that's why, back to basics, I want you to think about coming up with a budget. Not too late, even if you've already been clicking and buying Black Friday week, and now in Cyber Week, you're like, oh, look at this deal, look at that one. Go ahead and assess what you've already spent and how that fits into what you really can afford to spend through this Christmas selling cycle. Second, when there are things you're interested in, just take the time to write down the offers. For example, electronics historically have been the top draws in the Black Friday and now Cyber Week deals. And they get really, really confusing. So know this, the real deals come with TVs and various forms of electronics that are current technology, not state-of-the-art. The very best doorbuster kind of deals are those that are off-brands or uh, more minor brands. An example, um, Sam's Club has a hot item today where they're selling a 75-inch Roku TV 4K whole bit from Philips. Philips uh, is not a premier brand in the United States anymore, and it's $599. There was a cheaper Roku TV 75-inch with Best Buy for $499. That one sold out. But $599 for a 75-inch TV, really, really great. But it's, uh, I guess you'd call that a second-tier brand. 
and then when you look at the first tier brands, Samsung, LG, Sony, the TVs that are the best deals for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and this week of Cyber Week are TVs that may be um, last season's models or models that they had oversupply of or they made specifically as value additions for retailers to sell this week. And there are great, great, great deals, especially when you step down to the second tier or third tier brands. Listen to this one if you want a ginormo TV. Best Buy has an 85-inch, imagine an 85-inch TV, a Hisense 4K, $999. I mean, that's ridiculous. And they have an LG 86-inch for $1449. So there are a variety of really, really great deals on TVs. And for people who are looking at more reasonable sizes, <laughs> like looking from 32-inch TVs that right now are $79 and up, 65-inch um, TVs as cheap as $250, and there are great, great deals available. And avoid with electronics buying state-of-the-art, because today's state-of-the-art is much more money than current technology and will be current six months from now or whatever at a fraction of the price that state-of-the-art is right now. And with computers, computers have been very hard to find all this year. Computer prices are at the best they've been for um, Windows computers and Chromebooks. They've been since February. And there are wonderful deals starting in the ones for brand new laptop computers. Clothing, nobody's interested in clothing right now, which makes clothing the best deal of any category this Cyber Week. And on Clark Deals, we have all the stuff broken down by categories. And so you can see what's available in various categories you might be interested in. Like we take the top 10 and divide them out, and you can see up to the minute what is available for you on the deals. Um, after this week, the deals are really going to split with deals that you, they can be hybrids where you order online but pick up at stores, are going to be significantly cheaper than deals that you order for delivery for reasons I explained a couple of weeks ago because of FedEx and UPS charging these massive holiday surcharges on shipping to retailers. So free shipping has a huge cost to it in the month of December. And so retailers are going to have split prices with better deals to lure you into curbside pickup, store pickup, or in-store shopping, anything other than delivery to you. And we will continue to update throughout the day, every day, leading up to Christmas Eve on Clark Deals for you. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. And Kim, what you got? 
Starting today with Susan from Florida. And Susan says, I've owned a condominium in Florida for 27 years. It has become increasingly difficult to find a reputable insurance company. There are many condo owners, especially baby boomers, who would really appreciate your input. So the Florida um, insurance business is a broken model. And it's because insurers, homeowners insurers, went from doing what insurance was about, which was you pooled money from everybody across the pretty much the whole span of the United States, and everybody pooled the risk, and then if somebody had a claim, it was paid to where insurers now are cordoning off certain parts of the country, specifically Florida heavily, where Florida is its own micro homeowner and condo insurance market. And it's because of a risk from hurricanes with the increasing number of storms and the uh, increase in ocean temperatures and the temperatures in the Gulf of Mexico, the intensity of storms increasing. So insurers are like, we can't calculate this risk. So a lot of traditional homeowners insurers have abandoned writing any new business in Florida and may have kept legacy, what they call legacy books. People are already insured by them, um, but not adding anybody new and only for Florida residents that their home is their primary residence. Second home owners in Florida need not expect any good insurance on your home. So this is specifically because of the risk entailed. If you are a state resident, it is assumed but not guaranteed by law that the state of Florida would back up insurers for Florida residents, not back up insurers if there was a catastrophic storm that made insurers insolvent that insure second homeowners in Florida. The theory behind it is if somebody can afford to own a second home, they can afford the cost of repairing or replacing a second home. So Florida, for the foreseeable future, remains a very difficult market to insure a home or a condo, although condos have associations, have better access to insurability than individual homeowners typically do in the state. Joel? Clark Phil in Georgia says, what are home equity investments and are they safe? It seems like a new way to get cash without increasing your debt load, but proceeds are shared with the investor after the sale of a home. By the way, thanks for all you do. Absolutely. And this is something known as shared equity lending, where your lent money that you don't have to pay back until the time comes that you sell your home or uh, after a certain number of years where you have to pay back the money that was given to you. And it gives you an obligation that must be satisfied under the terms of the, of the note and either with a set time period and a share of the gain or just a share of the gain at some point in the future. These are very complicated offers and absolutely require that you hire your own hired gun, your own real estate lawyer to look at the deal before you do it. And it means for some people the advantage that your cash flow stays the same, 
But the disadvantage is that the gain you would eventually see from your home, you don't get. Kim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Kim, you and your husband have really, really good, solid, wonderful hearts. Well, we hope so. We're trying to do the best we can. Well, I I love that you are doing what you can to help. Is it your parents or his? It's his. So share with your fellow listener what you've structured to help out his aging parents. Well, this last summer, we decided to purchase a second home with the idea that they would occupy it and that they would rent from us. And we charge them um, an amount of rent that they can actually afford so that they don't have to worry about the home repairs. They don't have to worry, you know, if somebody loses an income, all of a sudden not being able to pay the landlord, because in this case, the landlord's going to let them slide if we have to. Okay. So um, we're, we're trying to help them out the best we can. All right. The only problem is I'm a little worried that if my husband and I would happen to pass before they're finished living in the house, I want to make sure that they can still live there until, you know, they can't physically do it anymore. But I know that they're going to end up on Medicaid at some point. So I don't want to leave them the home in my will because then the state's going to put a lien on it and they're going to basically take the asset, whatever's left. I'd much rather somehow leave it to my niece and my nephews, but I want to make sure that it's set up so that grandma and grandpa can still live there. So I'm wondering, you know, do we look into a life estate or should we put it in a trust or maybe some kind of an LLC? Looking for some advice. Okay. So let me make sure I got the whole thing. This is, this is all an altruistic move by you and your husband to see that for as long as they live and need to occupy this property, that his mother and father are going to have a good roof over their heads at a price they can afford. You yep, don't care. Exactly. About- it's a purposely, we bought a handicap accessible home. Wow. It even came with the Hoyer lift and everything. The idea is that with a little bit of home health care, hopefully they'll be there until they die. Oh, this is, this is really an act of uh, selfless kindness on you and your husband's part to make sure they're taken care of. And then you, going with the possibility what happens if we die first and then they end up in all kinds of trouble so in a case like this there's a special category Mm -hmm. of law that you want to go seek out a lawyer who does a specialty kind of work called elder law e-l-d-e-r elder law and you meet with an uh, elder law specialist and he or she will come up with what would be the right way either for you to have um, your niece and nephew inherit the property from you, or is there some kind of vehicle of ownership, like you mentioned, a trust or something like that, that it should Mm -hmm. be in. This is not anything that's a back-of-the-envelope kind of answer to give. This has to be from an elder law attorney who knows exactly how to meet the needs you said first that they be able to live there for the rest of their lives at a price they could afford second that it not hurt their ability to receive assistance for uh care with the activities of daily living you know which the whole medicaid thing comes in the equation and third that the house stays in the family so that's mm-hmm. why an elder law attorney is the right place to go. And let me tell you something that 
every elder law attorney loves about uh, you asking me this question. Nobody ever asks these things ahead of time when it can actually be structured properly. They're like trying to deal with, uh-oh, we wish we'd known that years ago kind of thing when somebody does need care with the activities of daily living. Yep, so, that sounds great. I will look into one of those. Yeah, so if you if you do whatever search engine you use, you look for elder law attorney and put in uh, your state, try your state and county first. And if nobody practices in the county where this property is, then at least do it by state and you'll find people available to you. And best to you and your whole family. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. I wanted to let you know that I have made the decision after over 33 years in radio that I'm going to discontinue my syndicated radio show at the end of this year and I want to thank my syndicator Westwood One for their wonderful efforts over the years with syndication and the radio stations that have been so loyal to me many that go back to the late 1990s when I went into syndication and then for you the listener I appreciate so much that you have put your trust in me to give you the type of advice that you can put to work in your life. And the reason I'm doing this is because I have wanted more freedom in my life. And the, the thing about uh, doing radio is it's the most fun thing I've ever done as a quote-unquote job. It doesn't feel like a job, but the amount of time it takes and preparation and all that is something that I've decided at 65 and a half years old, it's something that I would like to have more freedom in my life and less of an ongoing obligation. So the websites will continue to be there for you and we will continue our podcast, but the podcast will be uh, less of a time commitment for me And so I want you to know that I really do value your loyalty and I appreciate that so much. And I want you to know also how grateful I am to Kim and Joel. Kim has been with me since 1997 or 8? 98. 98. And Joel, this is your 14th year? That's right. And so uh, that is a long, long, long stretch that we've been together as, are we the three musketeers or the three stooges? Which do each of you vote for? Depends on the day. How about you, Kim? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ditto Joel's sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm grateful to both of you, and I thank you so much for, because we work so hard to bring you the best information that you can use to improve your wallet, to give you more freedom in your life, to give you more control, and to meet goals for your future. 
And that is something that I pledge to you we will continue to do in different formats over the years ahead. I want to talk about uh, a series of scams that are really prominent right now and that you got to be so, so careful of as we're doing so much more shopping online. I was talking about all the uh, cyber deals earlier. Well, also along with that, as you search around for deals, something that is a real problem right now, and uh, I've addressed it in my TV work, and the Better Business Bureau just put out an alert about this, are phony websites. So you are shopping around, you see a deal, and you think, wow, that's great. You click on it, got the item you want, you give them your information, hopefully never a debit card, hopefully only a credit card, but you pay them, and guess what? Your money goes poof because they were just crooks. It wasn't a real website. In addition, what's known as the fat finger, which is such a problem on cell phones that you type in what you think is the address of a website you're trying to go to, and you go, you mistype, and you end up at a website that looks just like a major retailer you intended to go to, and you buy an item, and you send money, not to where you intended, but you send it to Crooks, And, of course, the item never comes. Be very, very cautious where you shop and all the rest. And then for those of you who love shopping at Amazon, remember this rule with Amazon. Most merchandise sold on Amazon is being sold by third parties using Amazon's platform and paying Amazon for platform access. And, unfortunately, many times... Because if you're a regular Amazon shopper, particularly on a phone, you may not realize buying something that you're buying it from a third party. And second, that you may be paying far, far above retail for an item from a third party. So be aware, be careful, and turn off one click to purchase on Amazon because that's when you can really end up in an oops. If you have to take extra time to check out, you're more likely to check out what you're buying, but more importantly, who you're buying it from. And then I have a repeat warning for you of something that was an oldie but baddie and suddenly has roared back in the last week. And that is the Secret Sister Gift Exchange. And this is an illegal game of chance, a Ponzi scheme, where you're solicited to give money to your quote-unquote secret sister, and then in turn, the money you give supposedly is going to be returned to you at hundreds of percent return on your money in just a few days or a few weeks. This is as much a scam as it always was. I want you to know that, and by the way, I didn't know this, According to Snopes.com, the Secret Sister scam first started five years ago. It's not been on my radar a full five years. But 
the criminals engaging in this not only steal your money, in many cases, they'll try to steal your identity as well. So anytime somebody says, hey, you send this money to this person and it's going to multiply with money back to you, it is a scam, it is illegal, and if you get any money back, it's ill-gotten gains that you're getting at the expense of somebody else. It's time for your questions. You post it for me at clark.com slash ask. And I think it's your turn, Joel. Is that right? No. Kim, it's your turn. <laughs> oh, man, I messed up. It's all right. It's all right. So this is from Laurel in California. And Laurel says, Dear Clark, I recently donated to Clark's Christmas Kids. And today I thought to ask my company to match my donation. And guess what? My company did all $175 of it. Please mention this to your listeners so they can ask their companies as well. We could double the love. Just so you know, I work for a major airline company, and I wanted to thank you for all you do. Fly safe. Thank you very much, and I appreciate that. We are having a great uh, modified Clark's Christmas Kids. This is our 30th year collecting donations for children in foster care, and uh, I appreciate every way that people participate and get involved with Clark's Christmas Kids. And you just go to clarkschristmaskids.com. I have a video that explains how the program works and then how you can donate. Any amount of money is great. Or you can pick out a specific child you'd like to buy for. You see his or her name, his or her age, um, and what gifts. They've told you what gifts they'd like for Christmas, and the gifts are priced in categories of $25, $50, or $75. If you can afford a single gift or you'd like to buy all the gifts for a child, we'd love to have your participation so that these kids wake up Christmas morning with Christmas gifts. Joel? Clark Peggy in Florida says, what's your opinion of the Aspiration Bank and its debit card? It's supposed to be FDIC insured, and they also pay 10% on every purchase, and it's supposed to be completely safe. So uh, what's the catch here? <laughs> Thank you so much, Joel, for, for uh, asking about this, because Aspiration Bank is uh, just like any other online bank, you know, more or less. The 10% thing is their attention getter, and you have to pay a monthly subscription, and then it's only good at a small number of sellers where you get the 10%. So unless you are very dedicated shopping with those very small number of sellers, you'd never overcome the monthly fee for being a participant in the 10% cashback. The normal cashback is... A lot smaller than that, and I get uh, no compliments about aspiration and no complaints about aspiration. So I'd say that I can't give a specific opinion on how great they are as an online bank, but there's for uh, normal accounts, there's no monthly fees, you got the access to free ATMs and all that, and so... If you do shop a lot at the particular retailers, maybe you could be lured in by the 10%. Kim? 
Tara in Washington wants to know, is it a good idea to take out whole life insurance for my 18-year-old daughter? I know of no reason why that would be a good idea. Whole life insurance is a product that has not very much use in the marketplace anymore. It's a life insurance policy and a savings account wrapped up into one. The premiums are very, very high for the amount of life insurance coverage you get. And it generally takes somewhere between 12 and 18 years to overcome the commissions built into a whole life policy for the savings aspect to really be valuable for you. For most people, what you want is you want a life insurance policy that provides replacement of income for those who depend on you for income. And that may or may not be true for an 18-year-old yet. And the type of insurance I recommend for almost everybody is level term insurance, where you buy it for a specific period of years, typically 10 to 30 years, uh, dirt, dirt cheap, very easily easy to compare one company to another. And it provides what life insurance should be about is replacement of income with your untimely demise. Who benefits from whole life insurance? Usually you have to have a income in the range of four to $500,000 a year or more before a whole life insurance policy makes sense. Mark is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mark. Hey, Clark. Uh, I feel like I'm living my life through you right now, so please help me out. I, uh, I am happy to. And uh, first, I want to congratulate you on what a great job you've done saving for your future in a 401k, you've got uh, good six figures in one of them, huh? Well, I'm I'm glad you think so. I'm always looking for more and trying to put as much away as we possibly can. But you know, as you as you stated, I do have a little over two hundred thousand in one, just a small one on the side, and I actually have five different accounts. I have a little Mexican stock and. And then I'm I'm uh, I do have a Roth IRA which has about 150 thousand in that. Wow. What I'm trying to do and trying to realize or figure out is, since I haven't contributed to those top two 401ks since 2015, they're just sitting there, hopefully making money for me. Um, how can I move those into a maybe a Roth IRA or whatever? What what would you recommend? I guess. Okay, so the company you got the two hundred grand in, do you still work mm-hmm. for them or are they a former employer? Former employee. All right. So as far as moving it, it's possible that that 401k has extremely low costs to it. It does. And if it has low costs and you're still in your work cycle uh, but not working for them, there's mm-hmm. no harm really in leaving it there since it is a very low cost plan there's okay. uh, additional protections in most states from you having that money at risk from a lawsuit where you might be subject to a problem if you had it in your own ira depending on the state law and since it is a low cost plan and it's performed well for you it seems over the years maybe mm-hmm. you leave that behind there uh, you said though you had a, another old 401k that doesn't have much in it what's that one yeah i 
I do. I have just a small one that I really didn't even know that they were contributing to. And it's got about $1,500 into it. Okay, so that one you do want to rotate out. You don't want to leave a little piddly one somewhere. And you could move it to your Roth IRA and pay tax on it. You'd have to pay tax, no penalty, for moving it from a 401k to a Roth and just pay the tax on moving $1,500, depending on your tax rate. It would be, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, 500 bucks or whatever in tax. But you move it across, or it could be less than that, and you got one less account to worry about. Right. I, I just feel like there's too many things to keep track of, and I haven't done a good job of keeping track of it, you know, in the last five years, that's for sure. But as I get older and closer to retirement, do you recommend continuing to do the online investing, or would you say hire a financial consultant to tell me how I should take my distributions when it is time? I think it's a great idea when you are about 18 months out from when you think you're going to start spending money to, you know, Mm -hmm. turn it into income for you in retirement, for you to sit down with a fee-only financial planner who is a fiduciary, meaning that they only advise you what's best for you, never what's best for their pocket, and you can hire a fee-only planner either to actually handle your money for you and manage it for you, or you can hire them just for advice to guide you on how you should handle money yourself. That sounds great. I just got to try to convince my wife into picking up a second or third job so I can retire a little bit earlier, but she won't have anything to do with that. (laughs) That's funny. So... Well, but you should feel really uh, good about what you've done. You've got 200K plus in that 401K. You got 150K plus in your Roth. That's really good stuff. And over the years, as you add to it, uh, you got the years till you're going to retire, then that's going to give you much more financial security when you do bag work. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.